Sports stories from the 419 in Northwest Ohio brought to you by a voice you know. It's time to go around the area and around the Hearn. Hello and welcome to week number 40 of Around the Hearn. We've gotten that far in a lot of great guests that have come on the show throughout the course of that 40 weeks. And two of them, Matt Tabler and Frank Hill, are back. Frank, if you want to hear what he said the first time around, you can find him on episode 7. Matt Taylor was on episode number 11 with repeating guest Keith Utendorf. And a lot of great conversation comes from today. I uh, recorded this earlier in the week, and these two guys. Frank had the idea to actually record the two of them on together because they're boys. It provides an interesting conversation. I implore you to actually stick around to the end. Frank talks about... A lot of things. Matt talks about a lot of things. And uh, one thing that gets mentioned is a baseball from one of their trips. And if you look at the actual picture that is included on this week's episode, the baseball that Frank is holding is the baseball that's referenced later in the episode. They talk about their thoughts on how their season might go, if they have a season, if they don't, how football goes about the Reds and the Indians because they're on different sides of the Ohio Cup conversation that, of course, was won 3-1 by Cleveland this year. But uh, it's a really good interview. I enjoyed it, and it was a challenge at times to have two people on at the same time. That was just because they were playing traffic cop, but I think you'll enjoy it. I hope that you do. Hit me up on Twitter, at PvP and let me know if you did, if you didn't, what you did, why you didn't like Frank. I don't know, whatever. Uh, News and notes this week. A lot of golf. Getting started in the last week, being a no-contact sport, no rule that says you can't get out and golf. It's been beautiful, minus a couple of days. The Wapak Kaneta girls win the Salina Invitational today. Actually, earlier this morning by eight shots over Wayne Trace. Versailles ends up finishing third at that same event. Liberty Benton Invitational won by the LCC girls, 13 shots. They beat Liberty Benton by, who were in second place. And I should mention, too, that this episode actually later than the usual Thursday episodes. Uh, personal things going on. Kind of had to go to Cleveland, spend some time there in the land, and didn't get back in time to put this together on a Thursday, so a little bit later than I had intended. Next week, Kevin Peel is going to be on the show. Good friend and a terrific broadcaster. He talks about everything he's got going on. He's had um, minor league baseball on his resume, does great work for BCSN in Toledo. And he's going to come on and talk about broadcasting and everything he's got going on. Looking at golf, again, I said there's a lot of golf in this episode. The St. Mary's Girls golf team, I believe I got the year right, is the first since 1978 at the school. So shout out to those four or five girls. That's awesome. I love when teams are able to be formed as opposed to having to be broken apart with not enough uh, boys or girls to man the ship, so to speak. Coldwater girls uh, apparently are on a mission. Shot a school record 184 in a victory over Anna and Crestview earlier this week. Speaking of records, Jalen Bruns from uh, Fort Recovery, she set a school record of 36 and it went over South Adams for nine holes. I shoot 36 on about five holes. I'll just tell you that right now. It's not good. LCC's Mary Kelly Mulcahy shot a school record for the second straight day earlier this week. Shot a 765 at Colonial. 
Again, I played there. It did not go well for me, but she is a beast on the golf course and uh, won a handful of tournaments earlier this summer as well. The Collider Boys had a couple of events earlier this week. Boys shot a 326 to win the Paulding invite by a couple of shots over Wasion. In that one, my buddy Ryan Klausing shot 73 for second place. Shot a 74 earlier this week at the Collider Invite, which was won by LCC and at second for Ottawa Glandorf. But he did win the, the individuals. So congratulations to Ryan for what he's doing out there with the golf club. And I'm excited to see next spring what he can do with the baseball glove again. The big news has been the governor, as it has been for quite a while. Allen County downgraded to orange or level two. Um, Mercer County, the worst by cases, how they figure that out in Ohio. But the governor is supposed to make an expected ruling. Everybody thought it was going to be on Thursday, and that's kind of the other reason why I waited to do this week's podcast. I thought I might have a chance to talk about it, but uh, did not really say anything. Said that the decisions aren't made in a vacuum, and that Contact Sports will get their ruling on Tuesday, which is three days before the start of the soccer season and um, high school football on Friday night. It's kind of ridiculous, but what? A, whatever. I don't know what you're going to do at this point. Uh, Max Preps came out of the list of the top 25 most dominant football schools of the public variety in Ohio. The Midwest Athletic Conference has four. It's not really shocking, as good as they've been and as many titles as they've put out in the last 20, so, 20 or so years. The MAC themselves, like most teams, are going to play a six-game schedule that features Coldwater at Minster in Week 2, Marion Local at Minster in Week 5. Heck of a game in Week 1 for Sales and Anna, just a couple of the looks inside. But there will be no Marion Local Coldwater game in the regular season this year. Uh, just the way the scheduling worked out. And, you know, obviously the draw for that has always been the 50-50. People have walked away with new cars in terms of money, but uh, safety and everything. I saw that the uh, Central Buckeye Conference has decided that they will work with a 20% capacity. That will have Bell Fountain at about 800 people in the stands for games. Uh, the limit as it stands right now is 1,500. So it'll be fascinating kind of to be to see how that's handled. Uh, and the big game in the MAC in week one, Parkway will go to Delphus to take on St. John's, but it'll be on Saturday because they share the field Do the Blue Jays with Delphus Jefferson. Speaking of Delphus Jefferson, they're members of the West Division of the Northwest Conference this year. It'll be Jefferson, Crestview, Paulding, and Spencerville. The East will feature Ada, Allen East, Bluffton, and Grove. The Northwest Conference kind of changed things up. Everybody pretty much has gone to a six-game Conference schedule, not a lot of conference champs being decided this year, but the Northwest Conference thinking outside of the box. You play three games as your quote-unquote regular season, and then you enter a three-week tournament to decide the Northwest Conference champion. As you have four in each, you go one, two, three, four in terms of playing your own division. You play two division games if you're winning, and then the two division winners meet in week six to declare this year's Northwest Conference champ. It's kind of similar to the setup that they use for the junior high football 
championships, and I kind of think that's probably where they got the idea from. But kudos to you, NWC guys, for thinking outside the box. The Blanchard Valley Conference will have a full complement of teams. They'll actually have 12. Let's see, get LCC as an unofficial member this year to play their six games. LCC gets a uh, Saturday night game at home against Lipsick on the 26th of September. They actually play Liberty Benton at home on the 12th. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes uh, with LCC having uh, kind of addressed what we talk about later in this episode with Frank Hill for just a couple of minutes about having issues with being an independent and scheduling and everybody going to conference, but made that work out. Kudos to both sides for making that happen. The Northwest Central Conference has added both Crestline and Ridgedale a year early, according to head honcho Aaron Matthews. They'll split their league into two divisions this year, and the kind of cool thing about that is if you find them on Twitter, it's at NWCC underscore sports. They're looking to name each one of those divisions. They don't have names for them yet. So hopefully you're able to help them out, come up with something creative, and it's not just National and American or whatever it ends up being. Uh, The Western Buckeye League is going to have a six-game conference schedule but will not have a conference champion. I'm excited to actually get back and call some Rough Rider football. Starting in week one, the Rough Riders go to Bath before they come home and take on Wapakoneta and OG in the uh, two weeks after. All those games on K94 at 6.30 every Friday night, unless something changes on Tuesday. I'm excited to be able to do the season. I think St. Mary's could have a very good year before the gauntlet of the seven weeks of the playoffs. And the one piece of college news, the Ohio Athletic Conference announced their football teams will play a six-game schedule next spring. And the division champs will play for the conference title on April 16th. How they've determined the East and West, I haven't seen yet. But all the games will be on Friday night. And it'll finish up on Friday, April 16th. Northern, I think, was looking forward to a good year. Maybe I can get their head coach on at some point to talk about that. But a lot of interesting things. Uh, the the never-ending NCAA Division One saga continues. Who's playing, who's not. By the time you hear this, it'll probably be outdated, so I'm not even going to attempt it. But a terrific look into the minds of Frank Kill and Matt Tabler coming up next when we come back here on Around the Hearn. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Lee Kinsel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? How so? Well, you got your Lee Kinsel team starters like all of our salespeople. Yeah? And then you got your talent on the bench ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins, like our incredible service people. You know, you're right. A customer can come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. Sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeeKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEE-KINSEL. Back here on Around the Hearn, we're trying something a little bit different this week, sticking with local personalities in Frank Kill and Matt Tabler, but opening up the discussion to kind of a wide range of things. Talk about the Reds and the Indians, a little bit about high school football and high school basketball, and two guys who, are you guys nervous right now about what the possibility, or I guess not the possibility of your season could be? On my end, I'm not sure. Frank and I have talked about this a little bit. But on my end, um, I, I really think it's kind of dependent on football and seeing where football is. But now starting to see, you know, all these colleges change and some of the smaller colleges not even playing until January 1st 
has really got me thinking, you know, that our, our, uh, our winter seasons are really in jeopardy at this point. Oh man. I am after today, when you see the big 10 shutting, closing the doors down, I mean, I'm really, really nervous because if this, if they say there's going to be a so-called second wave of, of outbreaks, I mean, how do you not shut it down? I mean, they shut it down in spring when they really didn't know anything about it. And then, then this, this comes out today that, you know, Big Ten shutting down. I mean, what's next? I guess the good thing about it is um, high school sports, hopefully, will still continue to go on because they can actually monitor high school kids more so than you can college kids. The tailgating, um, the, the big social you know, gatherings that college football brings. So I'm hoping that high school sports will continue and that we, they can limit uh, the crowds. Well, and that's kind of my question is with everything that's happened with those colleges and do you, and how the governor has sort of pushed things back and talked about how at times he wants the local aspect of it to sort of take more care of it. OHSA already knocked it down to six games last week and they – are planning kind of a big thing with the seven-week playoffs. But now as coaches, obviously a little bit different with you guys being basketball coaches, but do you understand how the coaches' administration feels that they were left out of that conversation? You know, the fact that, like, from what I've heard and what I've been told by some coaches, that, you know, there was a there was a phone call or kind of a Zoom conversation, and then hours later nothing that was discussed was then put in place. So, you know, that, that is, that is concerning. I mean, it's definitely, it brings awareness of what, you know, what is said. And then when all of a sudden behind closed doors, anything can change. And that's what I think this, this whole COVID has like taught me is that one minute you think this is going to happen. And the next minute it's the flip of a switch and the, 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 the tables have turned. So when it comes to basketball, you know, I love seeing the NBA and the WNBA have zero cases, but they're living literally in a bubble. So that's, that's, that's awesome to see, but that, that can't happen in high school, the high school, especially if they're back, we're back into classes. Well, Frank, I think you brought up a good point where, you know, they, you said that all these coaches discussed this and then it changed with the administration behind closed doors. And, and you're starting to see that with the big 10 and, and a lot of and a lot of college players, and you know, putting "I want to play" out there, and what about their voices being heard, and and things like that. So, um, I I do think that we do have to listen to the people too. And um, we do live in the United States of America, and and if the people want it, you know, they have to at least explore it. I'm not saying they have to do it, but it needs to be explored more. Well, especially you have guys like Trevor Lawrence, you know big time name Clemson, you know, quarterback, you know, they want to play, you know, you're, you're taking away their opportunities. Um, but at, you know, at the end of the day, you know, these administrators, presidents of these universities, it's, it's kind of their call because it's their butt. If something goes wrong. Yeah. The lawsuits would be outrageous. And I think that's what happened. Even when this first started, I, I was real skeptical of, high school shutting down Frank and I Frank remember we were on our way to Indianapolis uh, <laughs> listening to um, Snodgrass and we're like no way they're not going to shut it down 
And that was on a Tuesday. And then as, as that Thursday, they were pulling the girls' teams off, you know. So, it, I mean, it's just – it was crazy then to even think the NCAA, as much money that they would make, that this would happen. But obviously, the the health risk and the lawsuits that come along with it, um, you know, will persuade people to um, err on the cautious side. How has that changed for you guys, like with the summer, with not being able to have – your normal camps and normal kind of off season stuff. I mean, for me, for me as, as a guy that like basically books the month of June for just basketball, you know, it, I was, I kind of used it as a vacation, but then also to refocus on some of the, you know, the things that we didn't normally focus on and that's, you know, skills and drills, you know, a lot of times, you know, you only get 10 coaching days. Well, if you maximize your coaching days with, shootouts and camps that doesn't give you a whole lot of skills and drills with 10 guys you know you had your four-man workouts but I never really took advantage of that because I was so busy doing little kids camps with shootouts and you know we've had you know two summers in a row we had summer league with with the local area teams I didn't have that so I took full advantage of it and, you know it was kind of a blessing in disguise what I'm going through right now with my family you know, I spent more time at the lake, spent more t- family time. And so for me, it was beneficial. But as a basketball coach, I really wanted to do more. Yeah, I agree with Frank. And, and I think, Frank, uh, we probably met probably 10 straight Wednesdays, which we would never have done in the past. And that we had our basically our own little coaches clinics talking about what we were doing. And um, we really we really touched base more than just said, hey, my team sucked today or my team did really well today. <laughs> Uh, you know, a shootout. And uh, I, I agree with Frank. Um, we got back to some basic shooting, you know, ball handling, and, and we could do that on an unlimited basis, which was which was nice in some aspects. Um, and you start to see what other states, you know, a lot of states don't have the regulations that the state of Ohio does with sports. So uh, it, it, was, it was beneficial in ways, but not playing um, still, I think, hurts a team that nobody else was doing it. Um, you, you would like to, you would like for your kids to at least compete a little bit. And we were just unfortunately unable to do that this summer. Frank, sort of from uh, an athletic uh, department standpoint with LCC right now, with being a non-league, not in a league, how does that affect having to change up all those schedules with football? Because everybody's going to sort of, a partial conference only sort of thing. And, you know, you guys already had the Toledo public league had one of their teams canceled out and you're kind of behind the eight ball with that. Oh, definitely. I mean, up. So take, take the six games that we were supposed to have. I think right now, um, we might have one game because with the NWC, we're supposed to play Spencerville. I'm pretty sure that got canceled. Mogador canceled. Um, you know, so we're we're trying to get all those those leagues that have, you know, I think like the BBC, not the BBC, the um, which league would be the uh, Lipstick and them guys, BBC. Okay, so the BBC football, like that, seven teams that have football, and so that would lead an odd number during one of those weeks that they would need a game. So we're trying to reach out to them. There's there's a couple other uh, other other leagues that have you know, six teams or seven teams. So we might be able to get them filled. And the nice thing about it is, is that 
everybody makes the playoffs. So whether you win or lose, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. You know, so you'd think you'd want to be challenged, but it's hard to tell. We haven't heard from Shawnee. We, we opened up with Shawnee, you know, first first week, and that, you know, if they cancel or if, you know, if they, the WBL does just an all-league schedule too, you know, we'll, we'll be looking for six new games, I think. You might have to suit up trying try to get more, play a schedule of older guys. Uh, I already have to have my shoulder worked on. I can't afford any more injuries. So it's, you know what, as an AD, you know, I, I'm, I'm so glad. It's kind of been a blessing to disguise that I'm not the head athletic director anymore. You know, being back in the classroom is where I belong. But I think my head would be spinning right now just with everything that's going on with, whether it's the sanitation issues or just scheduling, because, you know, we don't have our own football field. So, you know, if you look at it from the standpoint, everybody's going to want home games. You know, they got six weeks, you know, so, hey, we need a home game. Well, so do we. We need to make some money too as well. But I think at this point, it's, uh, I just want to get six games in. Well, and it's kind of odd too, because, for instance, St. Mary's, they were supposed to play Thurgood Marshall after kind of looking for a year and a half, two years for that week one replacement for Sydney, which then you go to Sydney and the Miami Valley League and they have their own issues with their scheduling, but they get Chaminade Julian and then a week and a half or so after that, everything kind of goes to, yeah, we're not going to do that because of the six game thing. It's just such an odd time. I think that I can't imagine, or I guess I hope never has to be replicated. Well, I wish they would have came out and said someone from the OHSA saying, you know, at some point, league, I don't know if you can do it, you know, scrap your leagues. But if you have a contract for the first six weeks, you must abide by them. You know, it, it well, and they, so, they sort of said the opposite, actually. They said the football con- uh, contracts are expendable. Well, it must, that must be new uh, lingo because the old executive commissioner used to say if there's a contract and you put in there, you know, uh, a breach fee, you know, and if you put $50,000 for breach fees, they have to abide by it. But obviously with a pandemic like that, breach fees don't even exist anymore. Kind of different. You guys are supposed to meet, as it stands right now, January the 9th at Perry. Uh, in the, I say, whoever loses has to get the other guy the, the beverages from the refrigerator game. But we've talked about it. You've each been on this podcast before. But how much do you love the ability to play an afternoon game and make it that big kind of showcase between your two schools. I'll let the winning coach talk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've been the loser the last three years. Well, as I tell Frank, uh, I'd turn those three games in, uh, those three wins in for one state championship, though, and he has two of them. I know I got the picture the other day of all of his rings. (laughs) <laughs> that's why his shoulder is um, so bad because he tries to put them all on one hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we sat down and we talked about it. It was after the 17th season, I think. Or, yeah. Was it Frank? I can't even remember. Yeah. And we talked about playing and um, we wanted to do something that we want to do with all our Saturday games, make them an afternoon game. So we said that was the first thing we were going to do is do it an afternoon game. And a lot of people don't know that we do a junior high seventh and eighth grade game. And then unfortunately we haven't had a freshman team the last three or four years. So we haven't been able to do a freshman game. Then we do JV and varsity. So it's kind of a, a whole day thing or it actually starts 10 in the morning, and concludes around uh four, four thirty. Um, 
and we're at Fat Jack's by 5:30. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's great. It, I mean, we've had we've had really good crowds, and all three games, you know, have been within five points, which is um, you know that's exciting in itself. Um, but um, I'm hoping to continue it. Um, I think that he's going to be on the upside here for the next four, five, six, seven, eight years. So I'm not going to say much after that. <laughs> oh, he's such a sandbagger. But <laughs> I think I think it's one of those things when we discuss to have a matinee game. You know, obviously girls have done it. You know, early. You know, typically you know noon, one thirty. But it just, I just even the officials enjoy it because you know, as the scarce of officiating, you know, the lack of officials that they have, you can actually get good quality officials, you know, at two thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon, and then they have plenty of time to drive to another, you know, site where they can still use maybe the same crew so they can drive together. I don't know, but I just thoroughly enjoyed it just because of one, you know, Matt and I's relationship, but and then two the having the junior high kind of play before us and we just make it an all day thing. I just think it's been really, it's been a great um, experience. I know the kids talk about it. I mean, even just the fans themselves, you know, you get those fans that are diehard fans, you know, they love it because it's an all day, but it's not, they still have their evening to enjoy whether it's a dinner out or they can go to another game. Well, it, um, it's probably go to another game. To go along with um, what Frank was talking about, and he will not agree to this to this day, but I'm going to tell you a little story. We have a traveling trophy um, that Wings and Rings uh, sponsors our Allen County Cross County uh, shootout. So that's nice for school to school. But we were supposed to have a coach to coach trophy. He probably doesn't remember that, but yet that trophy still sits at his house. Um, it was about. Six years ago, we were at an Indians-Reds game, and it was in Cincinnati, so there was nobody there, of course. And a ball, come, a foul ball comes flying right towards our section, and there's no one hardly in our section. Hits like three seats. I'm about to ready to grab the baseball, and this next thing I know is this big six-foot-five behemoth pushes me into a seat where I go chest-first into it, and he is, Frank is laying on top of me and grabs the ball. And I said, from now on, because that was supposed to technically be my ball, but since he's so big and he bullied me out and got that ball, that that was supposed to be the traveling trophy for coach to coach. And I still have not yet received that baseball. <laughs> News to me. <laughs> I know that story, though. I, I I I literally I just saw the picture the other day of me holding the ball and, and uh, I think one of our good friends Aaron Matthews we, we had to get a picture of reacting reenacting that uh, that opportunity but I don't remember that being the traveling trophy which you know that's just a baseball I can tell you that uh, it was a fun time you know why it was a fun time her because the tribe won which they always do true that is true and that's <laughs> funny because that just happened three out of four times last week and you know i don't know that the reds realize that they are allowed to win the ohio cup for themselves not just see it when we bring it to cincinnati <laughs> well, well you indians fans you're just like brown fans and unfortunately i'm a Browns fan but when it was two to nothing in the seventh inning on the tuesday game everybody was like oh might as well just shut the tv off and i was like wait 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 but your best friend's coming in it's going to be our bullpen which then our bullpen gave up 
three runs that night or four runs that night to lose four to two and then the rest was history on Wednesday and Thursday. I mean, you know, I've I've sat through so many games over the years in the Ohio Cup series where Reds fans will text me in the first inning, oh, it's 2 nothing," And then by the end of the game, I can't find them anymore. So I usually get that or a lot of, well, you know, we won the World Series in the 90s. And I'd like to remind the people that are telling me this, you weren't even alive when it happened. Well, I was alive for two of them. So I'll take a World Series trophy over um, um, Ohio Cup any day, though. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's like being a Dallas Cowboys fan. Like, you know, we got to watch it on VHS. Hey, that's all right, man. Back to, uh, We were uh, wire to wire, wire to wire the last time we won it. Oh, I said, you know, Hearn, like it would be really nice at some point to try to win something. Yeah. Oh, the Ohio Cup. Yeah, Ohio the Ohio Cup. Cup. I, I okay. said besides the Ohio Cup. Okay. Losing the 2016 World Series so that's not still, still lingers, still hurts, like salt to the wound, but because that is one thing where we just, uh got I we were so close. Up I, three to one. I have a picture hanging uh, in my office right next to where I sit of that game. And uh, a signed photo of Rajay Davis, and after he hit the home run, and I think about that all the time. I think made up rain delays, and hey, it happened last night in Chicago. Except for that was a real rain delay. <laughs> Fortunately, we won that game. Yeah, that was, which you know, anytime you get a win during the short season, it's crucial. But that rain delay in the World Series, I mean, it was like classic curse. Chicago, you know, you were destined to win. You know, Cleveland had all the momentum coming back, and then, but I really, I wasn't there because remember I left the game. So, I was, say, yeah, Frank, weren't you at the game, but yeah. really weren't at the game? Who leaves game seven? I, uh, I was not letting Chicago fans sing in front of me. I, I couldn't do it. I, I'd hit somebody, and I, I just could not. Uh, I could not stand being around anybody that was going to sing "Hey Chicago." So, from the mere fact of, we were down three. Oh, and by the way, the the Cuban missile was coming in. So, yeah, I was but not about he doesn't to, have good. He doesn't have a good uh, career playing in Cleveland in that building. No, he doesn't. <laughs> but I did not. I did not want to take my chance. And I just said, hey, if they come back and win, I will be super happy. But if they lose, I'm not about to deal with that. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was something. I remember the the whole thing. My wife actually said to me after Rajay hit his home run to tie it, uh, if we didn't go ahead in this inning, we're not winning. Oh, wives. Oh, they always got to know things. They always got to know things. Well, I blame it kind of on my brother because if he would have just taken a little longer in the, in the boys' restroom, we would have seen it. But he's like, no, nah, I'll just go somewhere else. You know, I'm <laughs> like, so we, we actually walked out of the stadium sooner and – we were in our car, and I just remember, like, wow, what that would have been, like, electrifying. It was. I knocked the stool over when I jumped off it. It was awesome. Uh, right now, though, it's kind of an odd thing with the way Major League Baseball is. Everybody's really good at home, except for Detroit because, you know, they're terrible everywhere. But terrible on the road. I, I don't understand it, and nobody can hit a baseball right now. I think the average is somewhere around 220. I'm just, I'm a little, I'm just, in, I'm still struck that 
they're not hitting the ball or the either that or the pitching is just that good. But you know, because to me, it's it was July. Now it's August. It's warm weather baseball. You know, before, I mean, how many times did you hear? Oh, you know, um, oh, he's not a very good hitter in, in April because it's too cold out. Well, Jose Ramirez, he's actually hitting the ball decently. But he's still like two twenty five. Not very, not that good. But he's he know, might be the team's him. leading hitter. Probably, you know, because we're not hitting the ball that well. You know, and so you look at baseball in general, you can't tell me these guys haven't been in a cage or they they weren't being worked out because I swear they were. Well, I mean, if you look at it, though, spring training, that's, I mean, you got spring training for as long as you do, and then it still takes a couple weeks longer to even, you know, it's still real live baseball. I don't care who they're working out with, but, you know, they, they probably work out in, um, November, December, and January too, but a lot of people don't start hitting until May. I mean, with the exception of you know your best hitters. So I really think it will come around. Um, just seeing that live ball pitching is for just experience, just knowing that it takes a while to get used to it, and I think the averages will start to increase. The only guy destroying the ball right now is Fernando Tatis in San Diego. He is he is uh, just getting rid of everything. Jose is hitting 273, by the way. Cesar Hernandez is at 305. Uh, Matt, as a Reds fan, are you over your manager right now? That's a great question, just because um, I used to really get angry with Browns coaches, then Reds managers. I mean, we goes back to Dusty, and Dusty was just good enough to get you to the playoffs. Now what I would take to have Dusty. Um, it's just difficult as a coach because you know what he's putting out there. He's trying his best. He's not trying to put a loser out there or making decisions of pulling starters because that's the hardest thing, I think. I think that would be the toughest decision as a baseball manager is when to pull your starter. Um, do you, you know, I had conversations with my family about this. Do you leave them out there a little longer than usual because it's a shorter season? Is that going to hurt you in the end? Or are you? playing for right now so it, it, it's hard for me to answer that I think if I think there are probably some better applicants out there I think it's going to be a little harder for him to go with you know his dad being in the front office um but uh you know the season is pretty much the decisions he's made has pretty much um not gone well with the Cincinnati public and then with Barry Larkin coming out and saying if he ever did manage a team it would only be the Cincinnati Reds and very so beloved in the you know the Cincinnati area that uh, it has really caused an uprise on Twitter for wanting Barry to be our next manager. So it, it's just a tough tough question for me to answer. I, I think baseball is a very hard game to manage, especially when you're talking about pitchers and how long they should go and and the matchups that you have. So that, that's a hard decision, um, but uh, it's a decision that's going to have to be made if, if they continue the way they're going. My thing about Larkin is, though, as soon as they would drop five of seven games, those same people on Twitter would turn on him because that's just how they are. Well, I think you're going to get that in any any coach. And you've seen coaches win championships, and two years later they're getting fired because there's an uprise, people wanting them out. So people will never be happy. They need a winner on, 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 the, on the quarter or on the field at all times. 
And if they're not getting that, um, they're going to, you know, say that out loud. I think they were at one time wrong. They wanted Joe Morgan to be the coach. And then they were all about Joe Morgan being head baseball coach or head manager for the Reds. And so you're always going to get that. Um, I think we had, we've had some great, you know, managers, Luke Pinella, um, Sparky Anderson, um, you know, as far as those guys, you know, I, I love their um, intensity. Um, Bell is just a little more laid back. I think he, in his press conferences, just bothered me. He's like, I love our bullpen. I love our bullpen. But you got three guys over 13 ERA. You can't love it too much. Um, so if he's going to continue to, you know, fight for his guys and say that, uh, they better start producing for him. Cincinnati has submitted a plan to bring fans back in September and or quote-unquote in the playoffs. One of those I don't know that you'll have to worry about. But if that happens, would you go to a Reds game? Oh, most definitely. I, I'm, I'm, I, have a, I have a nephew down in Georgia, and uh, they get, they, I forget what the – they're the banana slugs. They have minor league baseball down there. They're going to live games down in, down in Georgia. I mean – I want to go to a baseball game so bad. I'm pretty sure she's giving me the locos. I go see the locos. I was going, I was watching my little nephew and nieces softball and baseball games. I just, I love the game of baseball. Um, but I know what you were getting at with Cincinnati and what kind of product they're putting out. Would you pay that kind of money? I still would. Uh, I just love, uh, I love the, I love the city of Cincinnati. I love the ballpark down there. And, and, uh, um, I, I like any major league ballpark, but yeah, I'd go. I go. I, I definitely go and support my team. You have to through thick and thin, and that's what being a diehard fan is. Even when, even though it's been thin for the last uh, ten years, I think 2010 was our last really good season. So um, yeah, I go support them. Well, if you're looking for live baseball every Sunday, starting this Sunday in Ottawa, they have uh, the high school fall league. Is at uh, Ottawa's park there. Yeah, it's something I would I would love to hit up. I I just love the the sound of the bat and the, you know hitting the ball and uh, and just just the atmosphere. So yeah, that would that that's a good idea. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for putting that out there. Oh no, I was going to say, do they allow uh, coolers in this ballpark? <laughs> if you don't talk about it, because it's a city park, <laughs> it's kind of one of those things where if you, I I believe I've been told that it's just it's not frowned upon. It's just kind of look the other way upon. I was going to say it's Ottawa. We're in Ottawa, man. We're going to be all right there. I don't know that for a fact. I'm just saying. Um, (laughs) I was asked by Jeff Klaus to ask both of you guys this question. Oh, geez. If you could pick your crew of officials, who would you pick and why for one game? (laughs) Uh, Well, I think Jeff would be – I think he is one of them. You know he's a St. John's boy. Wow, you're giving him credit just because I will. I will give him some credit because he's – Jeff is an official over the years that has gotten better every year. I remember I had Jeff when he was right, right on the scene of his first like first varsity year working with Oren and Derryberry down at New Bremen. And New Bremen had a, a new coach. And he was a five street coach, and I'm, and that's calling the pot kettle black, you know. And I remember Orrin and Derryberry look at Jeff and say, "Let him go." I would have had like four technicals by then. Now Jeff has just gotten. I think he's one. He's matured and learned the game more and more, just as we all do. But to think I could come up with three of them, 
I could come up with a whole lot more. I have to name 15 of them at the end of the year just to satisfy the OSA. So answer was, the question. You sound like a politician. You sound, you sound worse than our governor at this point. Just answer the question. You're breaking up, Taylor. What was that? <laughs> so I should I assume I should assume that if I do an LCC game uh, next year, that Jeff Klaus is probably booked for a handful of them. Then by that answer, and Hearn, to be honest with you, I do not schedule any of my officials, even though I'm part of the AD world. I actually, so you better you so you better put the next guy on there that does your scheduling that does most of your games. Hey, Denny Morris, he's he's one yeah. of the best. So you know, I mean, see, I there's have, two of them. I've, I've never had a problem with Denny Morris, and you know, you know, I'm not, I don't want to leave anybody out because I don't want to offend anybody. Politics wow, you can't even answer the question. That's crazy. <laughs> I I just I'm keeping the peace. Jeff, Jeff's a great official. He uh, actually, so the year we made the state final four, um, which would have been 2017, his crew was um, slated to do the Bowling Green Regional. And it was him. Um, ah, help me out, Frank. Eric Schwab. Uh, no, not with Schwabi. It was uh, it was him. It was the guy from Delphus. Clay Irwin. Yeah, Clay. It was Clay. Him. Silverman was the alternate, and there was one other one. He's gonna kick my butt because I can't remember who it was. It might have been Schwabi. I think it was Schwab. By the way, okay, I'll put Clay in there too. There you go. Clay gave Clay Clay gave me one of my first tacticals. Thanks, Matt, there for that go. answer. <laughs> so uh, they were actually slated to do the game, the regional at Bowling Green, but Delta St. John's was playing in it, so they had to be switched to our regional to do our regional game because he couldn't officiate where he went to high school at. So we actually had an area crew, which made me feel more comfortable because. The year before, we went to the regional, and we got some guys I had never seen before. They were calling travels that we've done all year. Like, And you know in a regional, you really got to travel to travel, and you really got to foul to foul. And I don't care what they say. They say officiating doesn't change. It changes in a regional, and it changes in a state final four. And so having that in a regional final, just knowing the guys, I mean, I didn't think I was going to get any calls, but just it made you feel more comfortable knowing how the game was going to be ref. And we have a lot of great referees, so there's no way I could answer that question. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I doesn't set you up, Ray. Wow. I think all officials are good in this area. <laughs> I, I'm going to stick with mine. I think I think Jeff and Clay do a great job, and Denny's fantastic. There's a reason why he's head of officiating. And so if those three come out and do our game next year, I'm going to get my butt Wow. That's, uh, I didn't just, see how that was going to go. Just, just to piggyback on that officiating call that he said, as you, this, and that's what happens. You move, the farther you move along in the tournament, you, it's not that you get better officials. You just typically get better quality of play. So as an official, it makes it easier to let you play. You do get better officials though. Come on. You can't tell me you're not getting the best. I mean, oh, they yeah. are rated. So we're not getting what we got in the sectional. I know. I 100% agree with you. Yes. They're, they're better and they get better as you move on. But the quality of play is nine times better, nine times out of ten better as well. Is it different though when you get, for instance, to the state level and they're picking the best of the best that you're not necessarily getting a full crew that has worked together all year, and they maybe 
as a group look at things differently? As a fan, I've seen that. I've seen some guys come out the box, man, and they just want their whistle to be heard, and they're calling it out. But you're going to get the good – pretty much most of the time what I've seen is you see guys know how to work their area, whether they're the A, the B, or the C. You know, they know how to work their area, and they're not going to make a call that's going to show up another official. That's just what I've seen. Um, but I know the consistency of working together. But if you're really good, you know how to just call your area. I, You know, in 2015, I, I was – you know, we had no chance playing Villains of St. Joe, you know, down at the state finals. And I remember Ben Kramer and Joe Allen, and then I, I, I actually apologized to this guy, Jesse, Justin Perks, and, which I think was his last game he officiated because I was so hard on him. And he looks at me and goes, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Shoot the ball for me. Trust me, we had no chance. But those guys, they were really good. They weren't a crew, but they had probably worked with each other one time or another throughout the year because they're, they're not Northwest Ohio guys, but they work a lot in our area. And I just think, and I think from a standpoint down at the state tournament, if you get guys that can like at least have somewhat of an idea of what they're going to do, you know, instead of just blowing their whistle all the time, because they all three were on the same page, like, look, we're going to let these guys play. I can't wait to see who the first guy to tee each one of you up is. Or I should say the next guy. <laughs> I haven't I haven't got one. This is my – I just finished my 13th year. I haven't got one since, like, my fourth year. <laughs> it's been a I really haven't. I haven't. I, I, I've learned to worry less about the officiating and more about my guys. But seriously, I, I just don't even – like, and they know to just come over and tell me to shut up, too. Now, now it's to the point where – I've probably pretty much seen every referee, and they'll just come over and shut up. Just shut up, okay? We'll get you. Just shut up. Well, luckily, and, the game then, for you is at Perry next year. Yeah, yeah, and I already know our officials. So, <laughs> uh, Frank doesn't have good uh, good times, I guess, when he goes to Putnam County. I've been told. <laughs> well, that's where I got. right as a JV official. That's where I got my first official or first technical. But that's this what I was is referencing. God's honest. This is the God's honest truth. I did not deserve it because when you're in, let's just say, the Supreme Court, um, the fans are on top of you. I did not say anything to the official. I was the coach, and I get teed up. And I remember going. I remember asking the official, "What did I say?" He's like, "I'm tired of listening to you." I go, "I've never said a word to you." He's like, "You've been saying it all game." I go, and honestly, it was not me. And after the game, the guy walks up to me and goes, "Coach, I have to apologize." Um, I owe you a drink. <laughs> Doesn't really matter now. <laughs> but I've I've only had a handful. When I say handful, literally, I've had five tacticals in my ten years of coaching, and I haven't had one. I say in two years because the last one I had, I asked for it. I really did. I asked for it because I felt like there was a disrespectful, uh, unsportsmanlike contact that should have been called, or one of my players got hit in the head with a ball. And that guy has given me the most technical. Guy, you're talking about you asked for it from Rodney. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned anybody's names here. I just did. He's giving me the most technical. I'm going to thank him when I likely see him this weekend. <laughs> what, are you he, going to a dance party? No, he usually does the uh, the baseball games in Ottawa. Oh, nice. So maybe Matt doesn't so show up to those. 
<laughs> if he, I'll be out there in the outfield, you know, and I have a good relationship with him now, but I do joke with him. I think I have five T's and three of them are from him. I, I don't even have a joke. These write themselves. <laughs> well, I appreciate the two of you. I, uh, I had Frank gave me this idea to have you both on together and I thought, yeah, what the heck? Let's see how it goes. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, well, it was fun. Um, we, Frank and I, you know, this, this big craze and, and we've been kind of bored and it's probably a lot harder than what it seems. And I'm sure it is, but we've talked, we've talked the idea of having our own podcast and it is basically what we do is have people call in and ask us questions after the game. Like we would coach the game and then you could ask us anything. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? And uh, I don't know if we'd be open ourselves to a lot of things, but that was just an idea we had. But you do a fantastic job. Um, it's great to have people in this area do podcasts um, to give us, you know, a little publicity. But I listen to all your podcasts. They're great. And thanks for having us on. I appreciate it. I, uh, I Like I said, I'm always happy to have you guys on because I know – it's going to be interesting and probably deviate from anything I have written down. <laughs> well, at this time of the year, as we know, things are shutting down. I think people are looking for sort of entertainment. Um, I don't know if we're the joke or we can tell jokes, but at least you can bring up the good stuff. You know, we could talk about the good. And I think that's what we're at in our lives. So let's, talk, let's talk about the fun times. You know, there's no sense. I mean, Matt and I, we're very competitive. And at the end of the day, when the when the buzzer goes off, like, hey, it's all about friendship, it's all about family, it's all about relationships. And, I mean, you said it, Hearn. You know, you weren't a big fan of Frank Hill. And I'm somehow, still not a big way, fan of Frank Hill. Uh, oh, you heard. <laughs> I've made this known on previous podcasts. He's had too much success. Sports in general brings, you know, people closer, but they then you realize that it's just very minute, something simple, you know, like it's, it's easy to judge you know, like the Bill Belichick that people don't like because of their success or, you know, they judge Are you comparing for, yourself to Bill Belichick? No, I, and not, not at all, not even close. <laughs> you know, but it's, you love to hate him. It's like Ottawa. You know, I, I have a love-hate relationship for that program over there because, you know, I'm just envy of their success. Um, it's not that I don't like them. It's just that, you know, I'm not on their team, you know, and I, and, and I would love their – I think Tyson does a great job. Um, Josh Leslie did a phenomenal job. You know, Coach Sweet did an amazing job. They just have had a great run, and, and that's just something I wish I could continue here at LCC do. Well, it's funny because I think they don't like you because a couple of those teams that they feel like they could have added a couple more banners, you ended up hanging a banner. And that's and that's kind of like the, the relationship that we had because, you know, we in, 20, in 2010-11, you know, we actually beat them during – they beat us in the regular season – and we had all the momentum to beat them, you know, that year. They beat us in districts. Then the following year, we beat them, and they beat us in regionals. And they beat us in regionals in 2013. So it was like they had my number, and I was tired of it. And, you know, I didn't have that, like, oh, I didn't have a lot of, like, animosity towards Ottawa until I became the head coach. You know, mine's always been, you know, Crestview, you know, Delta St. John's, because those are teams that, like, I grew up you know, not liking, but man, since I became a T-bird, you know, you realize the, the rivals, you know, are like, wow, this is what it's all about. And I think high school sports today, I don't think high school kids actually like have that anymore because of social media, AAU, open gyms. They just don't have it. 
That's true. I I don't think it exists anymore because there are a handful of them where it's like it's not a serious thing in terms of oh we you know you're you're talking about Crestview for instance being a Lincoln View guy like oh we hate Crestview like I don't like anyone from there or blah 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 it's like it's kind of a playful thing but you want to beat them more and now that's kind of gone by the wayside and I've even noticed that with being around a lot of different kids calling games of, I don't know, when I was 17, 18, this loss specifically would bother me if I lost to this team. 100% agree. I, you know, I, I think of my open gyms over the last, I think, four years. Perry, there's been tons of Perry kids, and it has a lot to do with their relationships that come to our open gyms. And So when we would lose, I think I'm more upset than the kids are, you know? I did. I hate losing. I think I hate losing more more than I love winning. You know, but I also don't like to lose against my best friend, and he's had my number. So because you won't give him that you know, baseball, <laughs> give him the baseball, you he, might actually he, win a game. He can have the baseball. I'll take the cup any day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Hearn, again, I, I definitely appreciate you having us on because to me, you know, sports has been pretty much my life over the last, I would say, thirty years, and so fact that like they're shutting things down now like i love like i've never watched an entire nba basketball game during the regular season i mean i just don't watch it. it's boring i watch it now and it's like basketball meets arcade because the background's like arcade like i, I want to piggyback on something that matt said which i i thought of and i thought was interesting you talked about having a podcast where people can ask you game uh, questions after the games you've obviously both had that where you've done live radio on the bus coming back or you know, the next day or reporters. What's the dumbest question someone has asked you after a game? I'll let Matt answer this one. He, I guarantee I know what he's saying. The dumbest question? I'm, I don't know. Where you were just I've so flummoxed that you're like, why would you ask me that right now? Um, I guess after, you really don't get put on when you lose, though. I, I think I've been on maybe once after loss, and they asked how that feel. No, that's pretty stupid. <laughs> it was um, great. Yeah, I feel great, man. We're going to go back and party. Um, the dumbest question, Frank, you might have to go because I don't know. I don't even know. Well, I mean, I guess you could ask that in general. Like, what's the, the dumbest or most obvious question someone has asked you in an interview? Well, I mean, you know, typically they say, what happened out there? Well, as you see, you know, they're press. Uh, we couldn't handle it. You know, typically the team that makes the most baskets, we couldn't shoot tonight. Um, you know, it was, it was almost, you know, the obvious obvious response but he wanted me to say something creative or funny to bring light about why we got drummed by 30 you know but typically as matt you would say you don't get interviewed on a loss but like when you lose you know let's just say at the state tournament or even at the regional level you know they they want to talk to the losing coach first typically when you get a dumb question you try to just spin it and be as i don't know as uh, politically correct as possible because you don't want to give them anything to write about because at that point, the only thing you're writing about is how we got beat. And so <laughs> to respond to something stupid probably typically just runs off me and I just respond with something, you know, as genuine as possible without being as blunt and as frank as possible because I don't want to be, oh, yeah, we were just terrible. We were just awful tonight. Our guys played hard. You know, you just kind of spin it and say, how great our kids were, but the other team, congratulations. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I guess now after the state tournament, that was a question asked. Did their did their length give you troubles? Well, they started six nine, six seven, six five. In the game of basketball, if you're that big and your tallest player six three, well, yeah, that's going to give you troubles. Um, but again, you start to see even at the college and professional level, these coaches and even the 
players get a little frustrated with the dumb questions and sometimes go off. You're like, oh, that guy's such an idiot. It's his job to go out there and do that. But after a while, man, it's, I mean, it's just where the, you can't fix stupid. And you ask a stupid question, then you're going to get a stupid answer back. Or, you know, I mean, it goes with, uh, you know, the running back from Seahawks. I'm not good with names. Marshawn Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch, you know. He just, he would go out there because he'd get fined if he didn't. But some of the questions he's being asked are so dumb that he shouldn't have to answer those questions. Well, I can tell um, you, I've been around a handful of those where, you know, and there are sometimes as, I don't want to say a reporter, but as a person who's reporting news, like, you have to ask a specific question, even if you don't want to, just because, you know, it's part of the of the thought process of how that went. But then there are times where you get a coach looking at you and you know that they're burning a hole through you, but it's like, all right, I understand you have to ask that, but I'm just going to rush through this. Taves, I'm really surprised you, you didn't bring up your, uh, your regional uh, interview with one of our famous reporters around here that... <laughs> Because remember, you said you said okay, well, if yep. If you'd come watch us, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we were getting in. I'll put real quick to that. It was frustrating. We were already um, we had lost the regional semis. Thanks for jogging my memory on that, Frank. Uh, I thought you we were just going. lost the regional game, and, or yeah, we just lost the regional semis. And a local reporter who just started covering our games, even though we were a pretty good basketball team, and we knew we had a pretty good basketball team. But all of a sudden, just started. We had a reporter that followed us all year long, even through the sectional and district. And then we get a reporter that is like the head of the reporting service at his agency asked me because we went on a 11 0 run to start the game. Were you surprised the way your team played? And there's 12 reporters around me at this time. And I just looked at him and I said, Well, if you ever would have ever come to one of our other games, you wouldn't have been surprised. And, uh, yeah, that got a few chuckles from a couple guys. I got a, a little stare down, but uh, I was just upset in the fact that we had a we had a guy that was reporting that knew us inside and out, and then all of a sudden we get down there. But since it's been good ever since then. But yeah, that was that was a smart comment I did make. Well, it's kind of funny because you mentioned about guys not being around your program. I always enjoy that from a state tournament perspective of sitting in the press room after games and listening to guys who who have who are covering the other side who have never seen these teams play. You know, they've never seen LCC, they've never seen Perry or whoever, and they'll ask them questions where all the local reporters will sort of just turn like, did you read anything going into this game about that team? Like, that's been asked a bajillion times. And um, Scott Mag, when he was at Lipsick, when they made it to Columbus – after they lost, I remember kind of the same thing you were saying, Matt. Guys asked him about VASJ, and they have Carlton Bragg, and they have five guys that went D1. Did their length bother you? And he said virtually the same thing you said. Well, let me take a look at the sheet. 6'9", 6'7", 6'5", 6'4". Yeah, but we did okay for a while. Did you see the first three quarters of the game? And the guy just <laughs> kind of slunk down in his seat like, all right, you got me. <laughs> Well, sometimes yeah, it's part, you just part get, of their job. Yeah, because you just get those guys. 100%. You just get those guys that are like, well, i got to ask the obvious question. Well, you're going to get a pretty obvious answer. And then sometimes they might have, especially known Scott, you know, he probably was ready to fire back at him. Well, well at least, I mean, at the, at the high school level, um, the guys on your side will ask you the right questions. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen in in, in Cleveland with the Browns and Tony Grossi and uh, – 
it's like he's against us, but yet he's our reporter. I've heard a lot of Browns fans and a lot of my friends in Cleveland have the exact same uh, kind of thing, and he's kind of an outlaw with some of the media even up there. Yeah, he, he definitely hasn't made any friends in the in the Cleveland Browns locker room or with the fan base, but obviously he's doing something right for his agency because they keep him on. Hey, that's why I will always go out of my way not to misquote a coach and get it directly from them. That way, if someone says something, I say, that's not what he said. And that's why I'm fortunate enough to be on a good level with a lot of coaches that I can text them after game and be like, hey, just one quick thing here. Nope, that's word for word what he said. But I would be interested to hear that podcast. Have well, you guys, have you guys doing that? Well, like I said, you guys you 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 guys make it sound easy, um, <laughs> especially. Well, I mean, could you imagine though if if we did start this, Frank, and we lost the game and we get those angry parents <laughs> calling well, in and asking us questions? Well, and we have a twenty four hour rule in our program, so you know that twenty four hour rule might be thrown out of the out of the equation because. <laughs> If, they're, if we're running a podcast and we're having open calls and open mic, uh, I'm sorry, we just dropped that caller. She, you know, I'm not sure who that was. Right. She seems pretty angry. <laughs> and, yeah. and like we said, it all sounds good in theory because we are so bored at this point because we have no sports that we also know when we get into the season, we have no time. I mean, right after the game, we let it sink in for maybe an hour and then we're already preparing for our next opponent. But that was something I think we just said because we were just it's sure boredom of having no sport. I think you'd have to do it from an undisclosed location. I don't yeah, think you could let anybody know where you are. Well, there's this bar I know out on Coaches <laughs> Road that's open 24-7, and uh, that's where we'd probably be doing it from. It's been entertaining. I thank both of you again. Well, I appreciate it, and I uh, can't wait to, to hear the next podcast. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I might get shut down after this one. <laughs> they might just say 40 was a good run. We'll just, we'll just make hey, it stop there. Hey, if you there. get shut if you get shut down, then you can be on our uh, first ever one. And then that'll we'll get you shut down. <laughs> Great. We're just shutting down everyone's podcast. But again, I appreciate you guys. I uh, I enjoyed this, and we'll have to do this again. All right. Fantastic. Thanks, Thanks. buddy. That's Frank Kill and Matt Tabler. Please don't stop listening to this podcast after this. Are you in Spencerville and looking for a place to eat before the Bearcats play? Well, then, head to my place, 128 North Broadway, for deep-fried mushrooms, chili cheese fries, the best pie around, and soup of the day. If you're in a hurry and just want to order some to go, you can give Doug and his staff a call at 419-647-4062, and they'll have it ready for you. My Place Restaurant at 128 North Broadway in Spencerville, a proud supporter of Bearcat Athletics. As always, support everything local that is going on in your area. You don't know what it takes for things to continue to sort of be the way they are, and You'd hate to not have those places if they were gone. Coming up next week, Kevin Peel on the show. Terrific broadcaster up north, and uh, he will talk about everything in the world of uh, KP. If you're looking for some things to do Sunday, we've got high school baseball, the Fall League at Memorial Park in Ottawa. Starts at 1030 in the morning on WZOQ Radio. There's also a pair of games going on at Liberty Benton, and every Sunday, I believe it's the next seven or eight Sundays that the uh, folks have put on over there, and uh, I'm excited to get to uh, call some baseball, really to get out of the house, call some live sports, uh, tune in, you can watch on Facebook on Z Sports Live, and a uh, 
a lot of uh, terrific kids, a lot of younger kids getting an opportunity to kind of stay warm and uh, show what they can do with the bats and the balls. I uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Frank Kill and Matt Tabler. If not, you can find them both on Twitter and voice your displeasure. But uh, I think they did a great job in 40 weeks of this show. I thank you so much for listening and supporting and for all the guests that have been on. Many big things coming up. Hopefully, next week, we're talking about getting ready for the season for high school football. That's the hope. Just keep your fingers crossed and just keep thinking good thoughts. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Around the Hearn. Come back next week for more local stories from the NWO. But until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Michael Hearn PBP for more great area content.